Hi, welcome to Comics Unscripted, the podcast from Foreign Press Comics. I'm your host, Kyler Merrill, and today we have Mario Candelaria. He is the writer of comics like Kilcella, which is out now, and uh, Fogline, which I think is also out now. Um, how are you doing, Mario? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing all right. Uh, it was our fir- I'm, I, I teach, so this is our first day back with, with kids. So it was, it was a long day, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been, you know? Yeah. Which is all right. Um, what about you? What have you, you been up to today? Oh, just hanging out. I mean, uh, I went to work. I work at a uh, financial institution and right. came home, went straight to the gym, and <laughs> literally jumped in the shower and then jumped on the call with you. So, nice. you know, it's just run, run, run. Yeah, that that's that's been um, that's actually my plan after this. Is I'm gonna go I'm gonna go run. So and you know I think I'm gonna take the dog with me today. So yeah, I'm trying to be getting more into running. Like, what do you what do you usually do? Like when you're are you just like a weight training guy or like what's your what's your jam? Uh, no, I go on the elliptical. I mean, okay, that's my main thing. I do about a half hour on some pretty good resistance. Uh, yeah. I have dumbbells in my office, so I'm kind of the weirdo who has them at my desk. But you know, I just try to do a little bit of curls every now and again. Yeah, uh, maybe work on my uh, triceps. But yeah, no, at the gym, I just get on the elliptical. Uh, I try to get a good sweat, get my cardio up, and then you know, that's it. Yeah, that the dumbbells in the office. That's always been like the person I want to be. Like I always like I've bought like a couple or I've come into a couple old sets of like dumbbells and weights and stuff. And like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be that guy who just like, you know, he gets super ripped because he just is at home. and He just decides, oh, I'm going to pump out some military press or something, you know, and then I I just don't. And so or it happens for like two weeks and I quit. So props to you. I back when I I mean I have a cubicle now so it's kind of weird I I sit in a fishbowl too so people walk by and they just see me just sitting down or standing up and doing some curls but uh when I had my own office um geez I just lost my office in March uh I would close the door I would do jumping jacks I would do the push-ups with my feet up on the chair just to you know yeah just to get something in because sometimes I would forget to go to the gym altogether but yeah yeah I mean, I've definitely done that like in like, cause like I said, I, when I, when I'm teaching, like, unlike my plan time, I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make my goal today. I'm going to do 50 push ups today during my plan. <laughs> or, you know, I've always like, or like last year I was like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to do push ups every passing period. So like, you know, in between classes, okay. there's like a five minutes, like I'm going to do that. And then I don't because like I get too self-conscious because there's kids coming in and out and I'm like, of course, like, see the weird teacher who's in the back by his desk, just, and then I'm going to show up winded when I let my kids in. I'm going to be like, how you doing? Good morning. <laughs> and so I just just haven't done that, but yeah. So I I, I feel you there. Um, you know, one thing that helped was um, I had a microwave at my old at my old office site that was next to an empty warehouse. So I'd put my food in there for two minutes, and then I would just right for those two minutes, just do a quick couple of push ups. So as soon as you know the microwave went off for lunch, I would just grab my stuff and go from there. There you go. That that see there you you kind of built in like your own little like timer. So it, it makes more sense. And that seems like a really good way to like, um, uh, to, I can't think of the word to car- compartmentalize it, which I yeah. think is probably really beneficial in that, in that setting. It got to be like Pavlov's workout after a while. Every time I hear the mic, there you go. I'm exactly. Like, do I have to do pushups? <laughs> That's what I got to do. I got to condition myself yeah. so that I can just start working out and forcing myself to work out. That's, that's what I got to do. Um, but yeah, so we'll just um, like I said, we're here to t- mainly talk about um, your your book with Scout um, Kilchella, um, and then like I mentioned, uh, Fogline up at the top. Which um, is is that like where's that like is where can people get that? Like is that like a, is that just you self published it online or is it like with a publisher or what's up, what's up with that? 
Yeah, I'm happy you asked. Uh, Fogline was just us putting it on Kickstarter. We had a wild idea for a story. Uh, I remember that. We we didn't think if it was something publishers would go for. I mean, it's nothing flashy. There's no sexy gimmick or pun-like title, <laughs> right? It's just it literally is just a human drama. And uh, for a relative unknown, that might be hard to sell. Plus, we did it in a weird landscape format, which I know a bunch of publishers are straight out saying, no, they can't do that. So, um, yeah, we, we put it out on Kickstarter ourselves, and the next project Andy and I do, we're going to offer it up again, just for anyone who might have missed it the first time around. But uh, as of right now, there's nowhere really to get it except for just contacting us. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I after you mentioned that, I was like, oh, I remember I remember seeing that on, on Kickstarter. And, yeah, I'm looking at it now. You guys did pretty good. Thank um, you. 300 backers, or almost 300, you're four away, and over $8,000. That's, that's a pretty good deal, especially for – is that – um, let me see. Is that your? Oh, you have five Kickstarters. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Five, I, two I, of course, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen these. I don't know what I'm talking about. I've seen all these, just on right. Kickstarter, you know. Um, but yeah. So um, I don't want to get too into um that stuff yet because, like I said, like we kind of mentioned before, I have a list of questions. Um, yeah. But um, we can let's go ahead. Like I, like I kind of told you about. I I kind of always want to start just to kind of give any guest who isn't familiar with you a uh or any listener who isn't familiar with you a an idea of kind of who you are where you come from um kind of your journey into comics to where we are now um can you do like a like a you know you don't have to get into the whole like i was four years old when i got my first book but you know but can you like just go ahead and give us your your kind of origin story yeah of course so uh, comics have always been there um you know growing up my mom had younger brothers uh just I think maybe like the youngest one was like nine or 10 years older than me. So, you know, uh, they were into comics. So that's always been around uh, as a kid. Um, I grew up in New York City and, you know, we had corner stores, bodegas, and they would just have their own collections and I would always check it out. And when they got older, they moved on to other things like girls and sports and <laughs> jobs. They gave me all their comics. Uh, but yeah, I've always been uh, reading comics. I started out with Heathcliff, Count Duckula, uh, Police Academy. Thing, you know like cartoon adaptions like that and then i moved on to spider-man was the first real comic mm -hmm. i remember buying myself it was the eric larson revenge yep. of the sinister six uh series and yeah i thought it was cool like i lived in new york i could see the the twin towers that's how old i am from okay. metropolitan avenue just down the street uh so you know like just seeing seeing the area i was in and seeing that story kind of gave it a deeper connection i felt mm -hmm. uh yeah you know um but X-Men, X-Men is the series. I have not missed a single issue since wow. the Morrison run. I read all of them, uh, even even now, uh, even through the that's, bad years, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm talking the 12. I'm talking the uh, the Bendis stuff where they were trying to, you know, get the Inhumans to replace mutants yeah. for a while, and I was not having any of that. Uh, <laughs> I still loved it. I supported my guys. The, yeah, I'm, but... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I am a big fan of independent comics, and indie stuff is mainly what I get from my friends, but mm -hmm. uh, my first love is always X-Men. That's always what I'm mm -hmm. going to pick up first and try to yeah. check out. Is there? I, I, that's actually one of the notes that I had was that, because I, I, you know, I do some my own little research on the side, mm -hmm. and um, some of your first comics were like Eric Larson, Jim Lee, that kind of thing. Um, and so is there anything from those comics that, like, you think carries over to what you do today, either in like, you know, maybe in like a style you look for or in like the type of content you want to make 
or even going further back to like Heathcliff and things like that that you mentioned, like, is there any of that that you think impacts what you do now? Uh, that's a great question because like what I'm a fan of is not just necessarily what I do, right? Like mm-hmm, I could be yeah. a fan of spaghetti, but I can own a hot dog vendor <laughs> cart. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, you know what? I reference a lot of big moments in X-Men. There's this Wolverine fight. I want to say Wolverine 87. Kill, please don't kill me if you're one of those hardcore fans who are going to butcher me on this one. But it's Wolverine fighting Sabretooth for the entire issue. And there was gatefold pullouts. And I referenced this because I have the Marvel Infinity app. I can take a screenshot. Don't sue me, Marvel. <laughs> I can say, hey, you know, I want to do a sequence of fighting panels, just micro little little panels and make them look like a sequence like this. Uh, so I think I like to borrow influences, but as for just like pure straight content of like saying like, this is a theme I want to tackle. I don't think, I don't think I have that yet. Sorry, I'm looking that up. That's all right. Uh, it's Kubrick did the art. It was right before Age of Apocalypse. It ended, spoiler, Wolverine. He had his two claws up on either side of Sabretooth's head. Sabretooth's talking all this trash, and the Wolverine just... Okay, you know? I've seen that. I've seen that. I've, I've yeah. definitely seen that image. So I I, I, I I, don't know, just the idea of like the micro panels or the small panels. And then mm-hmm. I've always wanted to do something like with, the, with a fold-out, but I yeah. just don't think I have the brain... For that i don't know if that's difficult for you too but like for me like it's hard for me even though i i draw my, some of my own stuff as well and so like it's hard to think in terms of like double page spreads like at least when i'm writing you know i'm writing like page by page and like mm-hmm. i can put a splash page in there but like a double page spread i don't know for some reason it's hard for me to think of that and then like okay. to think about a like a fold out because like, i would love to do something like that i don't know the printing logistics of it but I would love to, but just, I don't know, my brain doesn't think in those terms. Like, do you have any, like, struggles with similar things or anything like that? Uh, with the fold-out, I have to say yes, because that's part of the budgetary thing. Yeah. <laughs> I have to think of how it's done. Plus, a lot of my content is spread digitally, so I have to think how that looks. But yes, true, yeah. double-page spreads are easy. I take the Bendis approach, where I just, it's something that could have easily been two pages, right? But I just huh. say, ah, this is a double-page spread. As long as it's the odd number first and the and excuse yeah. me, the even number first and the odd number second, you know, uh, there should be no formatting issues. But, uh, I have one yeah. that I, w- I want to put one into a script that I'm writing because it's a it's a big like action and like I have a, I, I can picture it mm-hmm. like in my mind, but like I don't know I'm just I'm also scared to draw it because like I'm just scared to put that much detail into a whole. Of course, page. I don't know, it's just, yeah, so that's intimidating by itself. Um, and I I just need to look into the logistics of like how you like do i draw it do i when i put it send it do i send it as one file anyway i'm not going to get too into the into the weeds on all that um but um so at what point does it become like um you want to make these things or at what point this is the question i'm always interested in asking people um at what point did that become like did did at what point did you realize that making comics was a thing like that that was a possibility like there's someone who makes these things you know whether yeah. that was comics or writing or movies or anything like that, because um, I know you've also worked in um, at least briefly a little bit in film because mm-hmm. you have a, sh- your sh- a short film you've written. Um, and so at what point did you kind of realize that creativity was an option for you? Uh, I think like, you mean like, I mean, I always mess around with my friends, especially like CKY and Jackass came out and there was just a bunch of nerds just filming themselves mm-hmm. doing bad things. So we always mess with that. I was part of the, 
a skateboarding crew who would record, you know, doing tricks at spots and we would yeah. edit that together for, you know, video. So creativity and trying to tell a narrative like that is one thing. But as for uh, like a scripted thing, I didn't honestly, outside of like school assignments, I didn't start thinking about doing something like that until I was 20. Uh, I wrote my okay. first screenplay, which was trash. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, you know, um, I started going around to conventions. I got a job with this, uh, with this guy who was going around conventions selling DVDs and he was kind of a dirtbag, but I saw it as an opportunity to get out there and network, right. And try to mm -hmm. hit up different shows and meet editors, uh, to try to see how I can get into it. And then, um, then I met my wife, my current wife, uh, not my, my only wife, but she's my wife now. <laughs> and, you know, I kind of just stopped for a while. You know, I focused, mm -hmm. uh, we, we moved to Pennsylvania, uh, outside of Philly from New York, because um, her family moved here. So I like, I like this girl, I want to stay with her. Yeah. And I focused on getting a job, getting an apartment, building a life. And then uh, a few years later, I was just like, you know what, this is something I always wanted to try out. Why don't I, why don't I try it, you know, dipping my hand into it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, put, put together some, some okay stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I went on message boards, uh, DeviantArt, Craig's, Craigslist, trying to find artists. This is before, you know, the easy times of Twitter. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I put together a couple of failed pitches. I put together um, this one kind of short story collection called The Reception, which some pretty big at the time names, big for me at least. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. a bunch of short stories that all take place at the same wedding reception uh, that I was proud of, and that helped. You know, that helped me get some connections to then start doing other stuff. And then I put together Ashes with uh, Carl Slominski, which mm -hmm. went on to get printed at Z2 Comics, I think, in 2015. And that got mm -hmm. released internationally. That was my that was my first major release. Um, you know, it was it's interesting seeing your book at Barnes and Noble. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay. uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, from there and then, you know, just kind of just, you know, uh, slummed it for a bit. A couple of, you know, false starts here and there. I was trying to, you know, get going. Um, always keeping up with anthology gigs is, you know, the, mm -hmm. the road yep. that kept me going until, you know, here I am now um, with Kilchell and a couple other projects. Yeah. And so that was, that was another thing that I, I, um, I kind of wanted to to talk about you have a you i'm just i just went back to look at your um your website and so just to double check all the um um like different publishers you worked with and so um i just because what what's that process like of um what go what do you think goes into a pitch or like because i mean like Kilchella, i assume was Kilchella a pitch yes yes that was a pitch and i could share the pitch document with you i'm very proud of that okay. um I'd love to I see it because I'm actually in the middle of putting some putting a pitch together for potentially Scout. So, absolutely, um, I'd love to see that. I, you know, I took Alex Segura's uh, pitching class that he offers mm -hmm. uh, periodic. I think maybe twice a year or quarterly he offers a pitching class, and it's like a a two a two lecture uh, course for I forget how much. It's not cheap, but it's not crazy expensive. But that was really helpful. I got. Uh, immediate feedback from a working editor i think he was co-president of archie at the time right mm -hmm. so uh yeah you know definitely you get to learn the ins and outs of what what someone who's at that level looks for in a pitch and then they can you give them a pitch for your project and they say okay you did good here you did bad here and try to you know beef it up um worth every penny i feel so that's really interesting to hear just because i I don't know. It's 
I just, I'm always interested in hearing like what people like what classes because there's always different people who are offering different classes and different um you know different uh, memberships and things that will you know help you and I have no doubt that a lot of them will but um it's just int- it's always interesting to hear from people who've actually done them you know mm-hmm. and to hear from someone who's actually participated in in that because I, I like I said I, that's something I'd seen before I just you know didn't know if it was worth it and you're obviously giving it a, a glowing recommendation um so. I want to um, ask about um, some some ins and outs of your process, your writing process, and then um, and then I want to um, get into your, your the books that we're here to talk about. Um, so, um, f- well, first we mentioned I mentioned a little before. Um, what can you tell me about about the chart? That's your short film. Um, like, why did you decide to do a short film? Was it just like, why did you decide that that was going to be um, your, like, the, the why did you, also, why did you decide that, like, that was going to be the content of your short film? Was going to be about, am I allowed to spoil it? Yeah, go ahead, please. Okay, this why is, is it, it's about sorry. basically planning a seating chart for a wedding, even though it looks like it's this big detective thing. So, like, why was that the content that you wanted to do? Like, why do, or why do a short film in general? All right, so, um. I'm going to be honest, the chart was all, uh, it was my idea that uh, I pitched to um, my buddy, uh, Tara, who mm-hmm. is the director, um, excuse me, no, she's the producer, uh, Tara Canestrasi, and uh, her partner in We Stand Comedy, Kim Hellum, is the director, mm-hmm. and they, I used to do stand-up comedy in uh, in New York City a couple of years ago. Um, I would drive back and forth from here to there a couple times a week, and you know, try to get gigs. And, you know, at, at that time, you end up meeting your peers. And this was these two um, amazing comedians were you know, part of my peer group at the time. We're all starting out. We're hanging out in the basement of the comedy cellar. Just, <laughs> you know, uh, we see the table of the big comedians laughing, having a good time. And we are sitting at our table wondering, how can we get to them? And as we're there, everybody has a shared dream, right? So we start working, say, hey, hey how can we work together? How can we do this? How can we do that? And uh, Tara, it worked for um, NY Sports, uh, a part of the Yankees correspondence for a while. So she had a lot of uh, media training for as far as production. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to put together a a more New York Italian based sketch comedy show. So, uh, yeah, so we were just riffing. I think we had like 10 ideas at the board at one time. And uh, this was the one that that stuck even after like all like the logistics of the pitch meeting fell apart and everything trying to get that she was like you know what let's put together a short film and this idea that oddly enough was the one that i came up with out of everyone uh was the yeah. one that they decided to run with so I, I i think that's really cool that um that that collaboration or that sense of collaboration was so was like so important to you and comedy and then now you're doing comics, which is inherently a very collaborative, you know, effort and very collaborative mm-hmm. um, medium, at least, you know, at least when you're not doing, when you're not doing both jobs, that comics is a very collaborative thing. So I just think it's really interesting that like, you had that sense of collaboration there, and you had it there. And so I assumed that there was like that, that, that those helped one another, like you, like you could kind of build off of what you had learned in um, through stand up and the short film by extension, the short film, and then um, carry that over to um, your collaboration and your collaborations in comics, I assume. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, at a certain point, all creativity stems from the same area, right? Regardless yeah, of the true. medium. So what happened was we ended up uh, just, you know, coming up with concepts. And I've always been a comic guy. So seeing the process of how, uh, this is kind of weird, but I view things in panels and shots. So when I'm coming up with a story, I'm not thinking of just here's a script like a play where you see it as the fourth wall is removed. I know I have some friends that describe that. I see it like probably like the way that Spielberg would see it, where it's like, and I, I don't want to compare myself to him. But I'm just saying like, you know, where it's like, okay, I see the door over the, over someone's shoulder looking at the door. And then I see a hand opening the door. And then I see, you know, like some feet walking in or shadows stretched across the floor yeah. as the door opens. Like, that's how I see things. And for writing, um, for writing comics, I think that's a really easy way to mm-hmm. kind of just put those pieces together. Um, you know, I was just, I'm writing a, uh, I'm working with a a wrestler from WWE right now um, on writing his first comic. And I was just telling him that today. I was like, hey, you know, like this is because he was wondering, like, how do I create the panels? And I was telling him exactly what I told you. Like, I see it in how I see the images where it's like, mm-hmm. OK, I see it like this, see it like that. And, you know, it's really just how do I put those pieces like a mosaic together to make a bigger story? Yeah. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I'm kind of this. I it sounds like I do things in a very similar way to you, at least in the way I picture them. Like I, I just picture them like, I mean, I do, I picture it like a movie, but like, like you said, in shots, like I can see mm-hmm. like, okay, this one's over his shoulder or like, you know, this one's taken from below. And like, I can like, I, I, I maybe that's not exactly what you're um, uh, implying, but like, I, I, I see things I think in a similar way. So if that makes you feel any better, um, you're not crazy. So <laughs> thank you. There you go. Um, no, it helps. I mean, uh, even with my scripts, I try to keep my scripts one page, one one page, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I hate when, you know, I type too much and the page break goes to the next one. <laughs> yeah. So I try to keep it there. But in there, I try to give as much detail as concisely as possible. Where I would say, you know, like uh, point of view over this person's shoulder or in the foreground, we see this, but in the background yeah. behind them, we see that. Just try to try to maximize the space as possible, make it as easy for the illustrator. I've been told by my buddy, Danny Earls, he's an amazing, um, he's an amazing pro soccer player turned comic artist. Uh, <laughs> and he saw my scripts and he told me once that, uh, that doing it like that takes away the imagination for the artist. <laughs> and I was like, what? yeah, but, but at the same time, you know, it's like, that's the way that I, that, that I see it. Um, there are some panels that I just leave open-ended where I just say this person's talking, that person's talking. But when it, if, if it's specific imagery I want to try to get across, I will, I will, you know, do, do my best to get that information out there. Yeah, I think that that's like. No, I, I know this isn't just my interview, but like, I, I, I kind of do. It's different. It's. I think I do that more when I'm drawing it because, like uh-huh. you said, like it when I'm doing it for. And or I don't do that when I'm drawing it, but like, as I'm writing, I can picture it in my head. So I know like, okay, when I write, you know, he does this, I know in my head that it means it's from this angle because like, okay. that's just the way I'm doing it, you know? So, but I don't know that I do that when I'm writing it for another artist, because I, I, hmm. I, I can see where that would take away from an artist. Um, not trying to put you down or anything. No, it's all good. <laughs> And I think from what I've heard, I think some artists kind of like that. Um, but there are some that definitely kind of like to interpret from what I've, from what I've heard and what I've, I've read. So no, a hundred thousand percent. Even Andy Michael, my, my buddy and my, uh, my partner in Fogline, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I will get descriptive and he's like, wow, I like the way that you really image this out. But sometimes he'll just ignore what I said. If he, if he feels his instinct has a better, you know, outcome. And honestly, like 99 out of a hundred times, I'm not going to care. Sometimes I'll be like, yeah, that one out of 100, I'll say, Hey, we are missing a character from this. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, out of that, it's like, you know, Hey, you know, we're all, we're all professionals or at least professional adjacent trying to tell our creativity. Right. So if yeah. it starts from an outline, that's one creativity, then it goes to a script and then it goes to a line artist who interprets that script. And then it goes to the color artist. If it's not the same person who then adds various elements to then improve upon what the, you know, line artist did. And then the letterer people give these guys uh, crap or they don't, they minimize what they do, but, great lettering you might not notice it but you will notice a really amazing flow for how the balloons are placed or how the sound effects look i mean it 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 has a whole another element it's uh i don't know i was i was listening to topher grace uh not to go to tangent but many years ago he was taking a class on film editing he was saying that you know as an actor it's important for him to know how the editors think because that will that will enhance or that will shed light on his performance as an actor on what to do, knowing what the editors are looking for. So I think that might help for writers and line artists and all, all down the line. If you know what the next step above you Mm -hmm. is going to be looking for or what their preferences are, it might be easier for you to try to put your performance towards that preference. Yeah. I, I, I've always, I've always thought that, that like, I think, even for people who aren't artists, I'm not saying you, a writer has to go and publish their own artwork, but I think that they need to at least try to draw a comic page or, you know, a, a few pages just, and, or, and then I think letter as well, just because I think that kind of like what you're saying, like you need to understand the other parts of it yeah, because that gives you more insight into how you do things. And like, I'm like, I'm currently putting something together that I that involves, I'm not going to get into that, but, um, <laughs> I, I just, my point is I agree that like, yeah. I think that it's really important for people to understand. Cause like for me having done both um, or d- I've drawn and I've lettered and like th- that's really changed the way that I um, write when I'm writing for an artist. And so I don't know. I just think it's really impacted it. And then to add on to something else that you said, I think that it's very important for, and cause it goes along with this. It's important for artists or for writers to, not be and for artists as well to not be so protective of what they have mm-hmm. you know of like j- there are times like you said that one in a hundred where like this is what i imagine this is what it needs to be for x y and z script reason but there are most of the time let them do what they want to do because they're an equal collaborator in this or at least they should be in most cases i think but um that's not always the case but i mean yeah i mean you we can get into that's a whole separate ball of wax, right? Yeah. yeah. Artist rights and everything. But, you know, regardless of ownership, I still think, you know, putting your best foot forward every game doesn't have to be the Super Bowl or, or preseason. If you show in your best foot, mm-hmm. then that gets, you know, the, the interest of everyone. Uh, and then that keeps you, you know, uh, playing for lack of better metaphor than sports right now. Yeah. Um, so I want to just. Um... I'll, I'll just go into it. I don't know. I, I, I have this thing when I'm interviewing, I always like want to, I feel the need to like preface it 
or like apologize for what I'm doing or like explain the questions I'm going to ask before I ask them for some reason. And it, I, I realize it doesn't make sense. And then I catch myself doing it again. And now I'm doing it again. Um, no, it's pretty good. You're good. So um, where, and the problem is I'm too lazy to edit. And so mm. I'm not going to edit oh. this out. So this is all just going to oh. stay in there. All right. Life <laughs> all of me right? just Let's talking to myself. Um, anyway. Um, so like where do you, a lot of your ideas come from? Because you have just looking at your, um, your comics um, list on your website, the things you've published, um, you have um, just kind of um, uh, skimming over it. You have Kilchella, which is, um, I don't even know how you would describe it. Weirdly supernatural, maybe. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, okay. Fogline, which is just like a human, very human story, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, Grim Tales, Off Into the Sunset, which that's, I don't want to get into that. Um, Wailing Blade, you have a lot of different genres that you're covering here. Like you're going through a lot of different things. And I understand that not everyone is, um, it's not like people should be pigeonholed into co- writing about one specific thing, but like, where do you find a lot of your ideas coming from? And then, um, like, what do you do with them? Once you have that idea, do you write them down? Do you, um, put them in your phone? Do you just let them boil and uh, stew in your brain? Like what's your, what's your process when it comes to ideas? Uh, all of it, honestly. Uh, my notes app is filled. My drafts mm. on Twitter is filled. Uh, sometimes I'll just wake up and talk to my wife. I'll wake her up or I'll interrupt what she's doing in the day and I'll just be like, hey, how about this? Or I will send random DMs to just random artists, creators, and I'll be like, mm. does this work? Even like just like right now, my buddy James Ferguson sent me a, a question about a random idea that I had for a story. <laughs> As a businessman, he goes, "Are do you have an artist and are you pitching this? I'm like, no, hell no. I just an idea. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think, see, you're asking really good questions that no one really asks, and I'll give you props for that. I appreciate uh, it. I've been told that before, and I, I take pride in that. No, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, you're making me really think here. Uh, I, 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 If I had to put my finger on it, I think going back to my comedy training is where I have to really say thanks for for this because i mean i'll be damned if i'm going to be pigeonholed and, as being the xyz mm-hmm. creator yeah. uh but being thrown a prompt and then saying okay run with it <laughs> you know uh-huh. that's really that's really i think the big crutch of what i lean on as a as a creator um some ideas pop out of nowhere for thin air some ideas i'll hear a nugget of something in a song or in a movie or I'll draw connections between things that don't yeah. have connections and then I'll just go with it like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think being open to ideas is always, always key. I feel if anyone's listening and wants advice on how to be creative, be being open to new thoughts, being open to new perspective and hearing different cultures or, you know, even just, just listening to people talk about their day. I mean, you know, you can you can stand in line at the post office and someone will guarantee tell you everything about what they're shipping out to someone. And then from yeah. there, you can just build it. You can build your own story. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I think just comedy taught me to be flexible and go with it. Learn to go with the bit if you're going with the bit or if like, let's say you have hecklers, how to how to maneuver around that and pivot it back to, you know, what your main point is. Um yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, that's a great question. Um, th- uh, this is just for my curiosity. Do you ever find like me that like you have an idea and then you then like you know a few months later or six months you watch some media that you haven't seen before 
And then you're like, ah, shoot, this is just like the thing that I wrote. And you had no idea that it was like, just like that. And then now it feels like you're, you feel weird about it. Like you're like not plagiarizing, but you're like, this is really similar to this movie. And like, do you ever, do you ever have that happen to you? Cause I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I, I know I've had that feeling before. Um, yeah, all, all the time. And honestly, if, if I don't feel like that, someone on the bird app is definitely going to throw it in my face that's true. and say, Oh, that's like this. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, just the other day, I said I want to make a uh, a comic about making comics the same way that Hollywood make loves movies about making yeah. movies. And someone, I, not someone, many someone's like, "Oh, it's like this comic, this comic, this comic." Yeah, I'm like, yeah. GFYS in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So like, so you're telling me that they're going to be one superhero comic because obviously Superman can't exist in the same world as Shazam and or Captain mm-hmm. Marvel and you know yeah. all that. No, I mean, you know. Uh, who knows what comes from where it's it's you know things can be similar but it's mm-hmm. the execution that makes it you know unique to yourself um, yeah yeah i literally heard that same thing on a podcast i was listening to yesterday they were talking about um one guy gave his pitch it was on an episode of the uh, geek history lesson extra and then um hmm. they basically they, he gave his pitch to the for the shadow um how to reboot the shadow and then someone was like oh you want to cut that out it's gonna um you, you just gave away your pitch and he's like i don't it doesn't matter because <laughs> someone else could take that same idea yeah. and write it script it completely differently and have a completely different thing come out of it you know just from the same concept so i think that that you're you're totally right and just to add to that i w- would 100 percent support your your idea because i saw that and I, I i'm into it i, oh, I really like it. especially if you do it like the 70 like back in the day like I think that would really differentiate it because I don't think I can't think of any off the top of my head that have been set back then. I could think of a few like Chips Zdarsky's Public Domain that's modern, but I think that I, I, I'm here for it. I'll tell you uh, after the uh, you know after the call offline, but I'll, yeah. I I will tell you this. 1992. That's all I'm going to say on here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can dig it. I can dig it. Um, on the the process, on the topic of like your the process, just to, a couple th- more things about that. Um, do you what what do you do? Do you like thumbnail or do you draw any of it yourself? Obviously, you're not like drawing the actual comic, but like, do you thumbnail or like draw any concept art like to kind of help yourself build it out, pictured in your mind, or do you just let it all sit in your brain? Uh, you know, honestly, like I have asthma, I can't. I can barely draw breath, let alone draw a figure. So I, I'm not going to draw anything. I have been known to put together a meme Photoshop collage. Okay. Uh, I've done I've done that a few times for Kill Chella where I was trying to get a specific imagery in mind. So I was just like, hey, this is exactly what I have in mind. I will, I will clip and I will paste like like a champion. But yeah, <laughs> but as far that. as actually uh, drawing it, I mean, no. Sometimes, sometimes I have a premise, and I and I want to see where do, where do the characters take me. Right? I have mm. ten poles. I have ten poles that I want to hit. Uh, sometimes, like Fogline, that hit fully formed. Um, mm. That hit on Thanksgiving, twenty twenty, and I excused myself and I started on my phone, and yeah, everybody's being weird because the family is together. I mean, it's like six of us four together, and I'm just off in the corner on yeah. my phone. Uh, but I have a book and they have, you know, uh, GERD. So who has the last laugh? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, no, I'm, I'm just messing with them. They know I love them. But yeah, um, yeah some some things like Kilchella, and I know we were going to get into this. Um, mm-hmm. 
that idea came from a weird article I read about someone trying to get Coachella ready. They spent five figures easily. Uh, And, you know, just, just, just going from there and seeing that. And I was like, okay, you know, there's a story to tell here. What's the story? And then, you know, just refining and refining At First, it was a lot more uh, supernatural. I mean, uh, I spent a lot of, I, I spent a good time in, California. I love California. Um, and especially the Palm Springs area where this took place. I had my, my honeymoon there. Uh, a lot of the scenes from Coachella issue one are actually places I've been to. Uh, spoiler, the motel is based on a motel we, my wife and I stayed at. It looks amazing, but, uh, you know, just refining the story down. This one took a lot more work than Falkline did. Just, mm-hmm. you know, going from a more supernatural yeah. thing to a more slasher thing. I'm pulling away. But once I saw that uh, Midsommar is coming out, I was like, ooh, shoot. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> go that route. Because I was going kind of that route. I was like, let me yeah. pull back a little bit. Uh, you know, it's funny. I own that movie in 4K collector's edition. Still haven't watched it. because <laughs> I, I think it's pretty good. That's one of the things I wanted to avoid it because I had this thing coming yeah, out and I did I not you. want to draw any similarities. Uh, but now, I mean, the, all four issues have been done for a very long time now. Yeah, uh, I'll dig into it. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, long story short, there's no cut and dry answer here. Some some mm-hmm. things, like I said, I want to ride the wave and I want to see where the characters take me, um, where they hit their tenfold. Sometimes we'll just go past tenfold, so I feel that the better story is yeah something else. Um, other times, especially working with a partner. Uh, uh, I'll, 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 excuse me, a writing partner, I should say. Um, mm. It's it, it, it's a lot more back and forth, like a like a tennis match. Yeah. <laughs> Where I was like, all right, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Until you know, we build up and have you know something that we both chiseled. Um, and at other times, like Kilchella, it's just working the story, working the angles, you know, trying to figure it out, and until you know, you get it to okay, this can be something, and then from mm-hmm. there, you know, uh, building building out the script itself yeah talking you, you, you were talking about different um approaches to it and i literally just tweeted about this because i had the same thing happen to, or a similar thing happened to me in that my um the story i was writing like i was i outlined it and what i thought was a pretty decent outline like page by page and then as i started scripting it like three pages in it was already starting to drift away and just in terms of like certain scene this opening scene was lasting longer than i planned and it, but it was just flowing and it's just kind of where the character was going and where the story how it worked and it's just i'm I've, i kind of just decided to let it let it ride and so i mean i think that's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about just kind of letting there are times where you should just let a character just let or let the story just just go for it you know mm-hmm. um so we're gonna take a quick break for an ad and then um we will be right back to talk about um Kilchella and Fogline and we're back um and so we're going to talk about um I want to talk first about um because I don't have as many questions about it and it's also when you're it's the less prevalent of the two um a Fogline um why was the the landscape format so um well just real quick let me pause to go back um Fogline is um do you kind of want to give the basic of what Fogline is yeah, absolutely. Fogline is a uh, short graphic novella by Andy Michael and I, and it is about a man who discovers a true crime podcast centered around a hit and run accident that he covered in the woods 40 years ago. He buried in the go. woods 40 years ago. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Um, so 
in that, like you mentioned this before, it's in a la- it's in landscape format. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that like you know some publishers just don't want to touch that, and I get why because it um it's harder to sell in shops um just because of the way it sits on a shelf. Um, at least that's what I've heard. Um, why was that so important to you? Like, why was that the thing? Was that you? First of all, was that you, or was that you? Said the artist was Andy Michael. Yeah, Andy Michael, and that was all me. That was all my idea. Okay. Andy loved it. I mean, uh, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm just experimenting, right? I mean, okay, yeah. We went to, we went to Kickstarter because we we're just like, this isn't pitch friendly. Why don't we just throw whatever at the wall and sticks? Uh, you know, we do it, do it in that format to try to have some fun, see how it looks, how it feels. Uh, which, by the way, I mean, uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I feel that with the way that the story is paced, it really helped out having it mm-hmm. wider like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could see more of the frames. I mean, I don't want to make comparisons to like cinema or anything, but some of the panels felt cinematic in scope of just like, okay, this is, this is the way it is. I mean, I don't know if you ever watch videos online, but sometimes when it's a, a horizontal you know, phone video versus like a sideways yeah. one, it's like, ah, it's, it's not really feeling it. Um, yeah. but no, yeah, we just, we, we just wanted to have fun, you know, while we were, you know, uh, experimenting with the, with the format. I mean, why not right comics are all about creativity so why not be creative with the way that the paper is exactly and like i think that that's also a testament to to the artist work just because i had a book that i wanted to do landscape and i was talking to the artist about it and she was just like like you and then it got me thinking like you have to think about it in a completely different way Mm -hmm. you know just the way you place the panels and things like that and the way that you write the panels that you, you you're thinking in a it requires you to think in a different way than a standard comic does and so i think that well that like i guess that's a testament to both of y'all then so um props um and what about the black and white was that also uh like you just knew from the beginning or was that like a just a hey black and white's cheaper or both <laughs> both uh <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Not having yeah. to pay, not having to a pay a colorist, and then b pay the printing costs, which might be yeah. like three times more than black and white. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's just being frugal. I mean, yeah. um, much love to my colorist friends, but you know, I also have my own wallet to look out for. Uh, unless they want to join us and be a partner in this, a lot yeah. of people want pay rates, and unfortunately, you know, I I, I am the I'm the bank daddy on a lot of this yeah. stuff. So. Yeah, you know, I you know, I just say no offense to my coloring friends, and they always know, especially the ones I work with regularly. And there's two, three of them that I only go to exclusively. Uh, you know, if if I don't get them now, I'll get them. I'll get them down the line eventually. Yeah, and then um, the the well, I think that the the change in flashbacks, like the way that the the change in saturation, like how it goes from these really heavy mm-hmm. black and white to like a more gray tones, I think that, that really like it, I don't know I think that is a really it's it's just really good and like the way that it transitions between the two I think that's, that's a really a really good touch by um by Andy um and then I did want to ask do you have any advice on capturing tension in comics because the book is very tense like from from the jump you're just like I mean from the jump and then you know it kind of near the beginning when it's just the old man kind of waking up and going about his day it's it's chill and then it very quickly becomes very tense and so do you have any advice on capturing that was that do you think that a lot of that came from the writing or do you think a lot of it came from the way he drew the way he drew it or um do you have any advice on that front I, I, again, both. I mean if you look at the script i have several pages with no dialogue i mean matt matt Krotzer's letter on it and 
I paid him for the full all all the pages, even though a yeah. good chunk of them had nothing on it. I was like, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it was purposely done like that just to keep a silent comic to help build tension. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a weird guy. I I don't mind sitting in silence for a long time by myself. Uh, yeah. So I I am not disturbed by the silence, but sometimes I know uh, in movies or uh, TV. I'm a big TV guy. Uh, you know, you'll you'll have some scenes where it's just the actor emoting. So mm. I think we're just trying to get that out. Like look at look at I Am Legend. Will Smith was alone on the film for mm-hmm. what, like 40 minutes of the film. It was just him. Yeah. And he spoke to himself every now and again, but he did a lot of the expressiveness and, um, you know, it's letting the lighting and letting the cinematography really capture the loneliness and despair of what he's going through. Um, mm. I, I don't think I was channeling I Am Legend specifically for that. Uh, I haven't thought about that movie in a long time until last week, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, I study a lot of film um, building tension. I would say, look at, First off, look at slowing things down. I know a lot of people mm. like to rush from like one panel to the next to the next to the next, right? But what if you take a moment of somebody tripping down the stairs? And it could either be one panel, hey, I'm walking, and the next panel trip, and then the third panel fall, right? Or you can really stretch it out and be like, okay, I'm walking, and then a close-up of you know, like the foot approaching something that's going to mm-hmm. – some obstruction that's going to get you. And then another thing, an action shot of that item getting pressed so you as the reader see it coming right and then it's like mm-hmm. okay then here's the here's the the reaction shot of oh no because you know sometimes when you fall your mind knows it before you hit the ground yeah <laughs> so you have that right and then maybe some you can mess with the angles and be like okay this is the actual fall itself and then do another panel of the collision onto the ground and then I don't know, put the cherry on top of do a really high up, like you just died in Grand Theft Auto looking straight down. <laughs> the person just hurt on the ground. I mean, drama is all about pacing mm-hmm. and how, how you pace it out and build it is, uh, for me at least, that's um, that's a key element to storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the, on the topic of tension, um, I think that that's a, that, Kilchell is equally tense um, in a very, a very good way. Um, Kilchell is your book from, from Scout currently on three issues out, three issues have been uh, released? Or you know, the first, just still on uh, number uno. That's the oh, number one okay. came out. Uh, number two is coming out this month. Uh, okay. I actually don't have a release date on that, but that's another conversation. Uh, it's coming out this month. Um, yeah. And then of course, next month is three, and then the series finale is number four in um, mm-hmm. in March. Yeah, I think I'd seen four on like in previews or something, and so oh, I awesome. heard, or yeah, so I think that's what got me. Um, the first thing I thought when I read it is like, it's a very. I read the first two issues. I think the first two, I think um, it's very misleading in a good way. In that, like, <laughs> what I thought it was going to yeah. be changed several times. Like, I was like, okay, it's going to be like a slasher thing. Okay, no, it's a supernatural thing. Okay, no, it's a slasher thing. No, maybe it is a supernatural thing. And, like, it kind of just went back and forth. And, like, yeah, I still don't really know what it is. And so I just, I don't know. I just think that was really cool. Just how it threw me off so many times back and forth. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, you know what? I can give you a joke answer and say that that's just me as an indecisive writer. 
<laughs> but uh, no, the real answer is James Ferguson was um, big help here. Editor James Ferguson. Um, he's my guy. He's actually one of my co-writers now and moving forward. He's no longer an editor. Um, I am fairly new to the horror world, right? I've always mm. been uh, action movies, comedies, romance, you know, uh, mumblecore type stuff. I never really messed with horror until I got the AMC movie pass. And then, of course, for a flat fee, I can see tons of movies without additional cost. So mm. I, then I started in 2019. Then I started to branch out and check out horror movies because, you know, why not? Um, but James has spent a lifetime in horror. And uh, as n- knowing that, he's from a, He's from New York. You know, we got together when I did uh, Cork, Corktown, which was my first failed attempt at a horror comic. Uh, mm. But um, yeah, we got together and I said, hey, you know, you you reviewed this one. You gave me really good notes in your comic review. I need help putting together this. How would you feel about being an editor? And then, you know, I told him how I want the story to go. And he taught me the ins and outs of horror. He was kind of like my own Jamie Kennedy you know, in, in Scream, just telling me the rules of a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So I I think I think I mean a lot of us probably need that I know I need that um, just like a a, a a horror guru just to explain mm-hmm. the whole thing to me. Um, you mentioned before that like you a lot of the visuals came from your um, honeymoon in Palm Springs. Is that like is that yes. where your idea came from? Like were you there or how did you why did you decide that okay Coachella or a music festival is like the best the perfect place for this? Yeah, so um, I know I touched on this earlier, but I, I saw an article about this. Uh, I think it was the New York Post. Or so it was one of those viral articles yeah. that went around. But it was this woman from New York who spent, I want to say, fifteen or $25,000 to get herself Coachella ready. And that's wardrobe, personal trainers, dietitians, cosmetic surgery, uh, the whole nine, right? Because yeah. her, her – her whole thing is that she didn't want to just, just look good in her own photos. She wanted to look good in the background of other people's photos <laughs> because that's a, I mean, I've never been to Coachella, but I used to work in the music industry and I know that a lot of music time is also just people just posting from the moment to yeah. show, Hey, I'm there. Uh, so yeah, that's the whole thinking. And I shared it with my wife and just to get a laugh. And then my wife, Oddly enough, thought I was messing with her. Uh, <laughs> and when I asked why, she said because she went to high school with that girl. And I was like, no really? effing way. Yeah, I know. Small world, right? So uh, from there, I was like, oh, man. And then I was like, yeah, I, <laughs> I have to use this somehow. And it stood. Yeah. I was going to do a comedy or something. But then I was like, these are the worst people. And I can't say anything. I mean, I, when, when I go to San Diego, I step up my, you know, my nutrition. I go work out more, you know, my yeah. wardrobe. I try to pick out. Uh, shoot, even just for this past New York Comic Con, I got a pair of gold and white Jordan ones. I mean, who does that? <laughs> so, there you go. You know, I yeah, the kettle and the pot and all that good stuff. Yeah, but yeah. We just you know just say hey, you know, this is another culture I can laugh at and point at, even though it mirrors my own. But uh, yeah, then from there I was like, how do I kill beautiful people? <laughs> yeah, in a in a way that won't get me sent to you know some type of. Uh, like mandatory therapy or something yeah 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 so i I mean like i guess i I don't know so i guess that you just kind of negated one of my questions which was what are like were there any certain elements of festival culture that you felt were necessary Mm. to include but like i mean or were there any things from your your time in the music industry besides just having just been around it that you felt like oh i need to make sure this gets in or like a certain vision or okay go ahead 
Yeah, I can answer both questions. I mean, you definitely did not negate. Uh, I'll start off with the one, the first one about the cult, the festival culture you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I did a lot of photographic research. I went on social medias, looked at tags, looked at hashtags, looked at location tags just to see, get a feel for it. And I have a whole lookbook that I sent my collaborator and saying, hey, the, these are visuals, these are outfits. Uh, you know, when you go to a convention and you see like a booth for a video game or a movie or whatever, festivals mm-hmm. are the same thing. They have sponsored booths for makeup. Dell computers of all things, water, whatever. I mean, whoever wants to go out there and put their money to help put the festival together is going to have their own activation is what they're called. So, you know, looking at that, looking at celebrities who post pictures because they're paid to be at this event and they're paid to post a picture with the product from the activation. Uh, I I wanted to include all that stuff. Our story is about a group of friends and one of them is Stella, who is a reality TV star and she's there <laughs> uh, for work, right? But she invites her girlfriends mm. for a weekend at the festival. So, you know, in issue two, part of the whole thing is, okay, they're not just there to enjoy the music. They're there because she has to work and she has to be seen, you know, at mm-hmm. yeah. this product, that product, and X, Y, Z. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots for a festival. I mean, I, I didn't get into like the over expensive prices of a cheese sandwich or anything like that, yeah. but I definitely wanted to touch on the, you know, that, the very real nature of just like, okay, sometimes this is just work and you might not get to see the things you want to see because you're being dragged around for someone else's schedule. Mm-hmm. I kind of think yeah. like on, um, oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, 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 go on, go on, you're good. I was just going to say like, I think kind of along the lines of what we, I mentioned before, like how other people would have taken it other directions with the yeah. same idea. Like, I think you could, I, like, I think you could have very easily turned it into like a, a fish out of water thing and made it about like how everything's overpriced and crazy. And, you know, you could have very easily taken it in a different direction, but you took it in, in this way, which obviously is the story that you're trying to tell and like the, the message that you're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. So that fits to that. I think it's interesting that that kind of adds to that point of like, I taking the same idea. I just would have gone a different direction with it, which is not better or worse. It's just different, you know? No, of course. I mean, like, um, okay. I go to San Diego Comic Con. I've been seeing Comic Con a bunch of times. I'm going again this year. And one of the things that we always, my wife and I, try to do is to get into industry parties. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of networking and getting to things. I mean, uh, if you ever go to one of these open bar parties, it's a different world than just like your fan meetup group at the Cash Bar, which I love those yeah. too. You can have an amazing time, but it's it's honestly like <laughs> like fire and ice. Just you know, seeing like the world of a difference at at the same thing. And I was, I think I was trying to capture more of that feel. I I dig that I and I I think that that now that you're bringing that up I think that, that definitely it definitely comes across. Um, but my my last two questions about about Kilchella. Um, mm-hmm. One, um, in your mind, the story kind of centers around um, this um, artist Topanga Cornell, and um, like she's the singer that they're all kind of there to see. You know, she's the big act. Um, in your mind, who is she? Like, is there anyone that you based her off of or that you were like, maybe not, obviously there's a lot of elements that you you weren't based in reality, but um, like maybe visually or even like sonically in your head, like were there any artists or um, celebrities or public figures that you were like, oh, this is who I'm trying to imitate here? Uh, I mean, more like a combination of people. I mean, mm-hmm. if you take That's someone, sure. someone who's charismatic and has a platform is always going to ha- have people drawn to them who will do whatever they say that's just the 
that's just the reality of fan culture. Even now, if let's say Rob Liefeld says something, you know, you're going to have people defending it to the death, even if other people say, no, that's, that's not right. Or even yeah. unfortunately, like, uh, who's that guy? Uh, Ethan Van Skyver, yeah. his whole weird thing. Uh, I mean, whatever, but it's, so it's kind of taking that element of uh, standum and putting it into music where, uh for for this i mean i don't know if you ever heard charles manson's old songs nope it's kind of a weird yeah he has a whole he has a not a whole catalog it's not like a crazy library but he has songs out there um because he's a failed musician he was always going out there talk that's why he's at these parties he had these girls yeah he would try to smooth with executives and be like hey why don't you put me on a record or hey why don't you put one of my girls in a record try to any way really to advance himself um now, that's not saying that's what Topanga is doing, but it's that type of, you know, mentality that you have people who will follow you and you happen to be in this thing. So Topanga went crazy. Uh, you see yeah. why, kind of why in issue four. Okay. <laughs> she does say, oh, she just got a little bit into that's That is something I definitely wanted to leave ambiguous uh, for for no real reason, just in case in, in the event we decide to go back, I can I can dig into it. But um, yeah, yeah, it's... You know, trying to pinpoint a an influence for that is kind of hard. Like I said, that's just, you know, your realities of how people will defend the Kardashians to that or make their whole lives all about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but visually, um, I know I sent over uh, to Lataro pictures of Chanel West Coast. I don't know if you watch Ridiculousness, but she is she's a performer when she's not watching funny fail videos on yeah. on MTV. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is this is a good visual reference. You know, she she dresses up, she goes on stage, she does stuff. Um, Katy Perry, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it fits. Um, and so, kind of along that, like in term along those lines, in terms of like things that you that you wrote about that you know, bring connecting them to real life. Um, uh-huh. I know that the book's not particularly musical, but did you have like a, a playlist in mind? Because I mean, after all, it is it is Coachella. So did you have any like songs or if I put you on the spot right now, is there like a, a song or an artist or anything that you think is like the anthem for the book? Yeah. Moth to a flame by the weekend. Okay. I'm a huge weekend go. guy. Sometimes all I do is listen to the weekend all day long. Uh, you know, different albums, different playlists on repeat. Yeah. Um, the weekend's a huge influence uh, on my creativity. And it, it's gotten to the point where people are concerned about me, but then oh, they geez. start to be like, you know what? I started listening to him because of you and it's really good. I'm like, yeah, he's got the voice of the angel, but the words of the devil. It's so good. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good explanation right there. I never thought of that, but that's, that's spot on uh, voice of an angel words of the devil. That's honestly perfect. Um, and now you're probably going to turn me into a weekend guy. Cause I'm probably going to go listen <laughs> to the weekend after this. Um, anyway, so that's, that's all the main t- questions I have for you. I do like to end with um, two questions. Um, one, what is the best life lesson you've ever learned? Oh, geez. I learn so much. I learn so much every day, too. Um, I have a lot of older people in my life, and I always just try to, you know, look at that. But best life lesson? Uh, damn, that's a really good one. Uh, know, know your limits. You know, I mean, it, it's easy to get caught up in saying yes to everything, but then sometimes that yes will have to become a no. Uh, that's something I learned even now where it's like, hey, we'll do this. Yeah. And you just get swept up in the yes of it all. 
that then the reality is like it's actually not doable. So know your limits. I mean, try to try to mitigate how much disappointment you can have if mm-hmm. something you're excited for turns into a no because of your own inability to probably do it. Yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's really interesting to how just different the answers are on these. Like, I don't think I've ever had anyone repeat one yet. And I just think that's really cool. Um, and then I always like to ask just a random question. Um, what is a time that you laughed the hardest or laughed really hard? Oh my God. Uh, should I say it? Yeah. You know what? No one's going to listen to this. Um, my wife showed me a picture. She took of our niece on Christmas and uh-huh. I, it was so unexpected and so unfortunate that I laughed so hard <laughs> that every time she showed it to me, I was like, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> she was just like, kind of like, uh, She'd like Rick roll me with it sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah, nice. I, it's unfortunate. But hey, yeah, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Uh, yeah, um, my, mine is just I. There's a picture of my brother that's at my parents' house that makes me die every time. Oh no, it's him as a one year old, and so or six months old, I think. And it's just, yeah. it's the the look on his face. It's just the funniest thing to me. It never fails. So I don't feel bad. You're good. Laughing at people's okay. I think um, sometimes <laughs> it's honest, right? Yeah, it's we're, honest. We're, exactly. We're here to be honest. We're not making fun of them. We're just that face that they made or whatever it was about that picture of her. That's just like, it's funny. Like when it's not yeah. them, you know, I think you're fine. I'm, I'm going to give you the stamp of approval. I'm just, I'm going to say right. you're good. Um, you. Anyway, where can uh, people find you online? Yeah. So hit me up on my website, the other Mario And if you want to get me on Twitter, the bird app, I am at the other Mario C uh, Instagram. Uh, if you just want to see random photos of me or check out my stories, it's uh, at another Mario C. Uh, why? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, uh, I do have Hive. I think I'm one of mm-hmm. six people who might still use it, but at, at the other Mario C. Um, but yeah, yeah, hit me up on Twitter, uh, the other Mario C. All right. And as always, you guys can find Foreign Press Comics at foreignpresscomics.com, um, Foreign Press Comics on all the major platforms, F Press Comics on Twitter. Just look up Foreign Press Comics. You'll find it. Um, Anyway, uh, Mario, that's all I have for you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you.